Hello, and welcome to episode 64 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McManaman. This week, Sean and I are discussing the topic of chaos in the business place and turning that chaos into improvement opportunities. So with that, let's start the show. Sean, how's it going? Hey, Les, how are you this fine day? I am doing great. We just had our mountain biking discussion. We didn't record yeah, we, it. We spared everybody on the podcast that our, 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 our mountain biking conversation. You know, are people that listen to this podcast, you think they're interested in mountain biking? No, I think they should let us know if they are because uh, That's you know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a road biker and, and I've gotten the mountain bike bug. So, so our topics are what? Photography, yeah. mountain biking, uh, road riding. What, what else? Is that it? Well, <laughs> Is that all we're interested in? <laughs> business every now and again. Yeah. So um, we thought today uh, we would uh, take an interesting curve and, and talk about chaos um, and chaos as it relates to business. So, uh, and, you know, what stems from that? So um, with chaos, so chaos is pretty much everywhere. I think that the first thing we got to talk about is you know, how does chaos come about? What are we talking about when we talk about chaos? Well, yeah, and, and I think the term gets thrown around quite easily. And and really how this topic came up is we had another topic thinking and, and both of us got into talking about how work has been. And, and it dawned on me that people create and react to what they believe is chaos. And I ask why, why is it, why is it chaotic? How does it how does it get to a point where it be and I hate generalities, how does a, an issue get to a point where it seems like chaos and you have people running around trying to do things without any kind of organization? Um, and how, right. do you, how do you stop it? How do you fix the issue at hand, but then also turn it into a process improvement opportunity? And that's an opportunity. And that's why we think that yeah. this would have been a you know a decent topic to talk about you know, today for a half hour, figure out what what does it all mean and, and, and how how can we how can we take it and, and 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 turn the bad into a good? Yeah, so I think the uh you know the first thing we, we, we probably ought to touch on is, at least is is the fact of you know what are we talking about when we talk about chaos? You know, is it just the situation where people are going outside your current process or are they bypassing things? Um, you know, how does chaos come about? Um, you know, in, in, in an organization. The way I see it, and in, in general, I would imagine, you know, I can give it the 80-20 rule. I believe chaos occurs because there was a, a I hate to use the word failure, but a failure. That was the one I was thinking yeah, of, failure. It's a, it's a failure to follow the process, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. time becomes the factor. It's not chaotic. Yeah. If you have plenty of time. And you missed the process, and, and you realized you realized that through whatever kind of quality control you had, um, that that there was an issue. And if time is not a critical factor, then then you don't seem to generate chaos. Chaos, I think, is a is a, uh, a result of time limited time being has a heavy time component. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I, and I think that if time is not uh, an issue. It's only because the chaos is now masked 
over a period of time. So the chaos is still there. So in other words, people are still going around the process or they're still doing things that they shouldn't do. Um, And the chaos is happening. It's just not as obvious because of the time. The time component is not uh, making it stand out. Right. But I would say that chaos is curtailed within the bounds of the quality program, whatever quality program you have, if it's a quality control system and then there's a check somewhere down the line, you should be able to, you should be able to figure out if there is a failure in process and, and workarounds have been going on. Right. It shouldn't. So I would expect, I would expect chaos without having that time component to stop and be corrected at that, that quality point. If, if we do talk about the time component, what, what I see happening and where I believe the chaos gets stopped anyway, or at least at least managed, is when there's, there's a, a, a short time frame on getting something out or getting something done. Then it, then it goes up the chain of command really fast. Right. And then, and then so decisions, command decisions have to be made. And this is where I like to think that, that the leader of whatever group is in charge of, of the process that is now under a chaotic situation is able to keep a, a level head, a calm head, think of what is happening or what needs to happen and then build the steps to get there within, within whatever process is established. And if the process isn't established to get to the end result, then that's where a process improvement activity takes place after, after you get through the hurdle. You know, so I think that th- so I think that there's a decision point right there, where uh, managers need to make a decision as to whether they're going to tackle this as um, a problem to be solved, or whether they're going to put a bandaid on it. I think in a lot of cases, uh, people have tendency to put band-aids on it. Now, my personal opinion, and we can kind of debate this a little bit, is that obviously you can't solve everything. Um, and so the aspect of um, trying to solve all your chaotic problems all the time may not be feasible. Now, of course, that's, that highlights that you may not have a very robust quality system, but you are where you are, right? You know. Right. So, I, so I think that there's nothing wrong with putting a problem on the back burner if it's a one-off. You know, it hasn't happened very many times. And you might say, you know what, I'm not going to solve this one yet. I'm going to put it on the back burner, and I'm going to go tackle this one over here because it's a bigger problem. It's happened five times. The employees are really bypassing it quite a bit. It's causing quite a bit of product problems, you know, so on and so forth. So there's nothing wrong with prioritizing the different problems that you have. So don't try and boil the ocean because, yeah, because there's a lot out there. Right, but I do want to go back and and make sure that people aren't thinking, well, have we not remembered everything we've talked about up until now you've got non-conformances and, and corrective actions right. so you are recording them you are sure. logging them you're you're communicating that these things happen and, and that has to that has to take place you can't put something on the back burner and then try to remember because the next thing no. that does happen you will be you will be <laughs> doing the same thing all over again it'll be groundhog day Right. So I think that uh, you should have a framework in place for making sure that you capture all these. And of course, like you said, the nonconformance process is the easiest way to create yourself a log in which to, you know, capture these chaotic situations that arise and then 
address them as appropriate. Um, yeah, and I think what, cause what it, sorry, go ahead. You want to go ahead? Well, I was going to say, because quite honestly, if you do have a one-off, there are times where it may not make sense for you to address that problem if it's a one-off. I mean, it's, you're squinting. Well, I am squinting, and 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 I would be. You're squinting. cringing. Maybe that's a cringe. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it, it always has to be addressed. It's a matter of how you address it. Okay. okay. So the reason that this popped up is, you know, it's the end of the day, and somebody comes up and says, "Hey, the thing that's got to go out tomorrow. Well, we've got a problem now. Um, yeah. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's a there's a, a problem, and and the, the nice thing that I like is that when we do have a problem. The culture is, yes, I, I messed up. I missed it. And and it's not a matter of, of laying blame or anything like that, but at least you know where to point the corrective action. If, if someone right. was supposed to do something and they missed it, okay, you highlight it, but you figure out how, how to help them not miss it the next time. So, and then, and then there's a training that goes with everyone that, uh, you know, might be doing that same type of activity so that, if somebody else might be uh, in a position to miss the same thing later on, there's training across because this one accident that, that happened. Or it's not, it's not an accident. Accidents don't want to go to the safety, but uh, omission, an omission of, of uh, work activity. So, so I think there's a, a chart here. I think there's an investment into the improvement uh, along with... Uh, the amount of time and there's a logarithmic curve that fits within this. And the reason I say that is because, um, and the reason I bring up whether you want to tackle it is because of the example you just brought up. So let's say you have a breakdown in your process and, um, you say, okay, we've addressed the problem. We've trained the person. The person says, Oh, I understand what I did wrong. Uh, I've been trained. Okay. To me, that is not really a full solution to the problem, probably. I, a lot of times, a lot of times, the real root cause, if you're going to go in and actually do a root cause analysis, um, it is usually the fact that something happened up front earlier, and to truly fix it, you're, you should truly try to build some sort of pokey yoke into the process, such as making it to where that mistake up further couldn't even happen because of the way you're maybe doing your drawings or selling your product or make it impossible to happen. And the reason I bring this up is because that all takes a lot of time to do. You see, so there's a curve here. You see what I'm saying? So, so maybe the right answer is almost maybe maybe the way it should look is like a pyramid, to where it's like a call center. Frontline answer is this scenario here. Well, we're well, we need to have a discussion. Make sure you understand what you did wrong. Okay, first line. Second line is well, it's a little more important than that. I'm going to do some training with this person, and we're going to actually try to discover what the problem is. The next level is well, this is really a mission critical issue, and it's happened multiple times. Let's uh, actually do a full root cause analysis with a corrective action, and we're going to actually try to pokey yoke this process and make it to where it doesn't happen again. It's not relying on the person's memory or training or anything like that. We're literally going to 
we're going to literally mistake-proof it up front in the business somehow. But again, that's why I was saying there's a curve here somewhere because there's a huge investment in time the further you go up the pyramid. You see what I'm saying? So there's there's levels of, of fixing things, and you can't do a full root cause analysis with corrective actions and you know process analysis and improvement on every problem that comes. That's, that would be like drinking from a fire hydrant. I mean, you, you, you may as well be, you know, <laughs> you, you'll drown. <laughs> Very quickly, you'll drown. I'm taking <laughs> so I, I think that my only point to that is because I don't disagree with what you're saying, that you should address the problem. I think, I think that you need to make sure you address the problem at the appropriate level at the appropriate time for what it is. You have to be realistic. Right. And we're talking here, how do, how do you manage out of a chaotic situation? Right, right. You know, you're, you're obviously, if you're dealing with chaotic situations, you, you most likely do not have a very robust quality system anyways. Um, most likely. Now, that's not 100% true. You know, I have seen supposedly people that have great quality systems and you go to buy something from them and they're just, you know, worthless. You know, so, so, so obviously they miss a boat on customer service or something like that because you know you're not getting what you need out of them. So, um, but I think that they they what they what they're missing is a quality system, and they're missing the component of of kaizen, mm-hmm. so daily continuous improvement. So they're not they're not on a journey towards making themselves better. So. I think that uh, uh, that's where I think that's where you, you just need to have some judgment in making sure that you're making the right decision on how you tackle the problem. Yeah, on how you tackle the, the long-term so- solution to that problem. Yeah. Right. But the, yeah. the thing that I, and would, I think I think I would want to make sure and stress is that when it gets it's a chaotic situation, it gets to you as the leader of of the area, the organization that you know you maintain a, a calm head and realize that you can you can put an end to what people are perceiving as chaos, right? By right. by giving clear direction, by understanding what the ultimate goal is, and then laying a plan out to get from wherever you are to that ultimate goal. Well, and by addressing it as a leader, you're actually showing people that you are committed to, you know, the continuous improvement and change and, and those types of activities. So, so our title of this thing was, you know, chaos into improvement. So why why did we add the improvement side of this? I mean, because well, because the thing oh. is, you, you don't want you don't want to live in chaos all the time, right? And we've talked a little. Yeah, bit what's about, that do to a, what does that do to an organization? Uh, yeah, Where <laughs> like a chick with their head cut off. Yeah. But the uh, the thing is, and we've already said it. If you if you are living in a chaotic situation constantly then you might not have a very robust quality program. You might not have a very robust uh, scheduling system that that provides the proper scope and and material inputs to meet the schedule. You know, you might not have uh, the training necessary to make sure that the folks are are well-informed as to what they have to do. So you you really have to look and see why why chaos is happening. And and the way I look at this... um, at least, at least, luckily for me, chaos does not happen every day. There's, there's, as we started off this conversation, a failure in the process, 
and that mm-hmm. creates the, the chaos. So, so most systems work. How do you improve? Well, you you improve by going back to wherever the origin, and and you know depending upon yeah the level of of uh, issue and how how critical and catastrophic the failure was, you know, depends right. upon how far back you, you go and how deep you have to go to the corrective actions. But, uh, right. in, yeah, in my book that it has to be addressed and, and to me, addressed pretty quickly. Uh, most of the time, if, you, if a failure happens every now and again and you don't have constant chaos, it's typically a personal training issue. Right. You're, I, I would agree with you. Um, so people listening to this podcast, you know, they're, let's say they're in an environment that has quite a bit of chaos, uh, you know, no control. Um, where, if I was an outsider looking in, my question would be, where do I start? What do I, what is the one thing I could start with or put in place that could get me on a road towards getting better? You know, so we've spent, you know, 63 episodes, <laughs> not all of them, you know, quality based or anything like that. But we've, we've spent quite a few episodes talking about quite a bit of uh, topics, especially on quality. You know, I, I often wonder where is the right place to start? And I guess maybe it could be different for, you know, different people, but, you know, That'd be one of the questions I would I would be wondering if I was listening to this. Well, thing. to me, it's it's what kind of culture do you have? So so you yeah. need to you need to cultivate the culture in a process improvement mentality in, in a um, petri dish of, of process improvement. So so instilling the fact that that whatever process we have is the baseline. Okay, can you shore that up? Yes, by looking at it, shore up the process, make sure everybody understands the processes that they're working on, then and taking the next step on, on improving improving the process. I think laying laying something like 5S or lean concepts on top of that, on top of building the culture, you can use those tools to build the culture under the umbrella of always getting better, Kaizen. Yeah. So I think if um, uh, my two cents on this, if I, if I had to pick or if I had to take and point somebody towards resources that would help them out, I would say one of them you already said, I think 5S is a great, simple uh, place to start because it gives you some quick wins. It gives you some very specific focus. Now, it is more... Uh, more focused on kind of a, a manufacturing environment, but it, it, it still works in, in a lot of different environments. But I think 5S is a great place to start. But then value stream mapping is the other one that I would point people towards and say, hey, learn about value stream mapping. Learn about 5S. If you get those two things to start you off, that gives you a, a decent foundation to start um, building a quality system around and getting your environment under somewhat of control because with value stream, you would learn your process and you would learn what it looks like. You would learn to look for opportunities uh, and ways of improving it. And with 5S, you're now um, using it to ingrain people in the quality process and getting them pulled in and recognizing waste and, and, you know, the, you know, the seven deadly 
wastes, you know, uh, with, with the 5S type stuff, you know. So I think those are the two that I would have to pick if I was going to take some newbie out of school and say, you know, hey, learn these two things right here. And if you get into an organization, you know, these are the two things that I think that you should know about to help start your organization on a pathway th- towards continuous improvement. Yeah, and I would say that anybody that's in an organization already that is working through that, you know, system of continuous improvement and, and a new person, a newbie comes in, then, uh, and they, they have that kind of knowledge, then that's a, yeah. a good partner to have, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the organization if you, can, if, if you can bring people in that already know that type of language. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm going to upset a lot of people with this comment, but people that come in and say, oh, you should learn Six Sigma and the domain process. Yeah, not off the bat. Oh, my gosh. You know, that's not off the bat. That is the wrong place to start. Um, That is the force through the trees right there Um, in that Six Sigma is good. It's got a lot of nice tools, but... I would consider it more, well, in fact, one of the ways it was explained to me the difference between Lean and Six Sigma was that Lean tries to take and move the process no matter how long it takes you to do it to the left if you're looking at a a bell curve. Yeah. Uh, Whereas Six Sigma tries to take that bell curve and tighten it up. Yeah you know, uh, reduce the cycle time, things like that. But see, those are things you wouldn't want to go after if you were just starting out. If you're just starting out, it makes more sense to go after uh, lean concepts, understanding your value stream, getting your backyard straightened up. And that's what 5S Mm -hmm. does. It's kind of helps get your backyard straightened up. And at that whole time, you're introducing your employees to why you're doing it, the concepts of doing it, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then you know, three to five years down the road, maybe you are ready to do some cycle time reduction and, and specific project activities where Six Sigma does yeah, quality um, add value. Yeah. yeah. So piece part quality improvements. Yeah, but, you know, you, you mentioned something there that we should just touch on too, you know, three to five years, yeah. you know, go to that next step. <laughs> and you have to have patience. And that is. Oh, no doubt. We mentioned that a couple episodes ago that all of this takes patience. It takes diligence. Uh, you can't give up. You know, you can't, you know, go six months and go, oh, this is, you know, too long. You know, I'm, I'm giving up. No, no, no. This is a life. This is a lifelong journey. You know, this is not something where you're going to change overnight. It's just not going to happen. And you know what? That's, that's and, what and it, it's kind of like it's kind of like weight loss. And I've learned this one very well. It's, it's kind of like weight loss. There's no, there is no tricks. There's no magic pill. There's nothing. <laughs> you exercise and you eat the right things, mm-hmm. and you eat the right quantity of the right things. <laughs> that's 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 the only two things there are. Yeah. And actually, 80% of it is on the food side, 20% of it's on the exercise. You know, so even people have a tendency to go more towards the exercise and still try to figure out why they're not losing weight. Well, it's because they're not eating right and eating in the right quantities. That's it. It's those two things, you know. So, you know, same thing with, with business improvement. You know, it, it takes a while and, you know, you've got to do it, but you, you know what needs to be done. And results will come slowly but surely because we are dealing with, 
with people and how great people yes. how great people are. They they are many of them set in their ways, and it's hard to move them out of that that peg. You know, yeah, off of that peg. no doubt. But well, I mean, you know, people get into a routine. They like uh, you know they like consistency, and once they find it, they don't like change. Uh, the company that can manage change well usually wins in the end. Words of wisdom if, if you, from last. Yeah, you can, if you can, <laughs> thank you. If, if you can manage your change well, you will, you know, you'll come out the other side a better company. Um, because those that are, that are flexible, those that engage in improvement, those that find the time, uh, those that um, know how to manage the chaos and make it better are going to be the ones that come out the other end a better company. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I agree. Managing, yeah, they are. Change. And, and that's where sometimes it is exciting to have a little chaos. Sure. People mobilize. They come together. And they get done what what the leader asks of them to get done. Yep. But you know, again, it is a the outcome of that is is a process of improvement. And even though everybody comes together and they get it done, they don't they don't want to do it again. They don't want to have to do that again for the same problem. Yeah. So that's where you you will get buy in on a process improvement if you if you take a chaotic situation, it gets resolved, and then you go right into okay, well, how do we prevent this from happening again, root cause analysis and process changes? So Sean and I really wanted to tackle this topic because we're both on a journey. You know, we're both in environments where, you know, we are, you know, tackling some of these things. And, uh, you know, I think it, it's good for us to talk it out. And we're just happened to be recording it along there the way. So. That's, that's what happens. Yeah, here's, here's a story. And... and it was interesting, and, and uh, I'm glad it happened the way it did, but the culture, the culture, even though you're changing it, it might not be sinking in at the same rate to all the people. So whenever I walk, sure. I walk through, we have a manufacturing facility, and I walk through the facility, and if there's something on the floor, I pick it up. And then even this morning, there was a, a uh, wrapper on the floor, and it was flattened. And I was like, this thing must have been here for a while. How could nobody else have passed this by and not picked it up? And yeah. one of the supervisors, <laughs> one of the supervisors in there says, don't pick it up. I'm like, why? He goes, I want to I see how long it sits there before somebody picks it up. And I said, well, why didn't you pick it up? <laughs> so he, he wants to train the people to, to pick it up. But I said, you have to set the example and pick it up. Yeah. I, I pick it up. I'm saying for you, you need to set the example for the other guys. Don't expect that's funny to learn the lesson if you're not going to show them. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the message is out there, but how it gets how it gets uh, implemented mm-hmm. is very difficult, and, and patience has to win out. Right. Well, is there anything else you want to touch on on this topic? No, this this topic exhausts me. <laughs> it's a little chaotic. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll go ahead and end right here. I hope uh, everybody has enjoyed this show, and we will chat. All right, bye, Les. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man versus Business. 
Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week. Mm-hmm.